In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, I was just thinking about something as we were saying the creed. And this isn't in my sermon manuscript, so this is free. This is extra. Do you remember in the account of Jesus' passion and crucifixion when he's interviewed by Pilate? And Pilate says, don't you know I have the power to set you free and all that stuff? And, and then Jesus responds to Pilate and Pilate says back to Jesus, what is truth? So cynically, what is truth? And now for 2,000 years, we've made Pilate the most famous Roman in the history of the world, surrounding his name with declarations of truth, that God is the Father Almighty who created heaven and earth, that Jesus Christ, who came into the world, is his son, who at Pilate's hand, Mr. What is Truth, was crucified. I don't know. There's something kind of beautiful and poetic about that. What is truth? That guy's name is said in every church, every week, and it will be until the Lord returns with his very name surrounded by truth. Okay, like I said, that was free. That's extra. I'm going to preach on Numbers 11 this morning. And I need to give you a little bit of context for this episode um, because our lesson started at Numbers 11.24. So real quick, I'm going to catch up through Numbers 1 through 23. And I'm just going to tell it to you like a story because it's a pretty, well, it's a dramatic story. It's entertaining at points, okay? So once again, the people of Israel were upset in the wilderness because they are tired of wandering around. They're tired of the sand. They're tired of the heat. They're tired of this stinking manna that is miraculously provided for them from heaven every morning. And it never spoils unless they take too much in disobedience. So the people are us, they're sad, they're whining, and the Lord hears every word of it, and he's furious enough, and he sends fire that destroys the camp. Interesting. The use of fire on Pentecost Sunday. Not the same use as the tongues of fire that came down on the apostles in that upper room. So when Moses prays to the Lord, this fire stops. But after that, quote, the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites... Remember, Moses is writing this. The foreign rabble who are traveling with the Israelites, they began to pine for the luxuries of Egypt. And they say, oh, the people of Israel also wept again. And they say in Numbers 11, 4 through 6, oh, that we had meat to eat. Some of you know what this is like, maybe if you tried out being a vegetarian. I don't know. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt. And that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up. And there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. <laughs> I don't want to eat manna anymore, Moses. I want leeks and onions and garlic. The sentiment in the camp is very low, and Moses can hear whining from all over the place. And he is pretty aggravated. And the Lord is furious once again. So Moses decides to take the issue up with the Lord. And Moses says this little number. Why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give to their ancestors? 
Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Words to live by from Moses there. The Lord tells Moses that he's going to have the help of 70 elders who will receive some of the spirit that is on Moses for the purpose of leading the people. Numbers 11, 16, and 17 go like this. The Lord said to Moses, gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you, and I will come down and talk to you there. I will take some of the spirit that is upon you, and I will put that spirit upon them also. Starting to sound kind of like Pentecost, isn't it? God is going to take the spirit and place it on the elders for the sake of the nation, for the sake of the people. The Lord continues. He says, they will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry it alone. And then the Lord tells Moses that a month's worth of meat will be provided for the people. And Moses expresses doubt that feeding so many people, right? He said, Moses says, there are 600,000 soldiers, not to mention their families, and the men who are past fighting age, everybody else. Uh, how is this possible? And the Lord says, oh yeah, watch this, Moses. So now we get to where our text starts. Moses relays the words of the Lord to the people, and he chooses 70 elders to share this load with him. And he placed them spread out around the tent. And remember now, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, right? We read about it in scripture. We think, I, I should look into that. That's like the third week in a row that that's happened. We read about it in scripture, and the glory of God comes down, and they're sacrificing bulls and goats and calves and all kinds of things at this place, and they're just like torrents of blood, and it's, there's fire there constantly. We, we, we think it's like this big, this big place. The tabernacle like, was about, um, well, the, the tent itself was like 45 feet long and 15 feet wide. So you people sitting in this part of the room, it's about that big from the front pew to the back pew. And then there was the outer court, right? I think our pews are 13 feet wide, so, right? Forgive me, it's not, it's not exactly the same. But it's not that big of a place, and so 70 elders are arranged around here. And what happens? The Lord comes down, gives the elders the same spirit that was on Moses, that is, the Holy Spirit, and then something amazing happens, just this one time. Numbers 11.25 says, the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to Moses. Then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was on Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But this never happened again. Kind of a bummer. Like kind of a... And that it, it, it ends on a low note. Mm. But two of the men that Moses had registered as elders, they remained in the camp for some reason. They weren't gathered in the tabernacle. This is Eldad and Medad. Easy, easy names to remember. Oh my goodness. They weren't gathered at the tent of meeting. They stayed in the camp at their tents. For whatever reason, we don't really know why. But the Holy Spirit came down on them and they started prophesying. And this young guy, zealous for Moses, zealous for the Lord. Remember, when people had done some unauthorized things, like un offering unauthorized incense, 
The high priest Aaron's two sons were consumed by fire from the Lord um, because they were doing it not in the way the Lord had specified. So there's this concern. What? This is not the way it's supposed to happen. What's going to happen to all of us? So this young guy runs and he tells Moses and Joshua, who's going to play a big part later after Moses dies, leading the people into the promised land. Joshua says to Moses, Moses, tell him to stop. They need to stop prophesying. And Moses says, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets or in a way that we actually talk. I mean, how many of you say would that in your weekly conversations? Oh, man, would that my children would go to sleep at their normal bedtime, right? Would that? Yes, indeed. Truly. Moses says, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them all. What a thing for us to hear on the day of Pentecost when the Lord's spirit was poured out on all people, not just the 70 elders, not just the pastors and the DCEs. The apostles were gathered together in their customary meeting place, just as the elders were gathered at the tabernacle. And the Holy Spirit falls on the apostles, and you, you heard how that went. They begin to prophesy. And what's the definition of their prophesying? They're telling the mighty works of God. They're just talking about the gospel. They're talking about Jesus. In the language of all of that long list of people that's printed for you on the back of your bulletin, Parthians, Medes, Arabians, Cappadocians, residents of Mesopotamia, etc., etc. They're speaking all these languages, real, actual languages, so that all the peoples of the earth hear the gospel. But there's an important difference. The Holy Spirit fell on the Israelite elders in that wilderness, like the text said, only once. It never happened again that they all just started prophesying. Moses expressed this desire, oh, that all God's people would be prophets. And 2,000 years ago from today, it happened. What began on Pentecost has never stopped, and now Moses' desire has become a reality. All of God's people are prophets. Every one of you is a prophet because the Holy Spirit lives in all of us. Joshua, remember, he was concerned for preserving Moses' leadership. Wait a minute, we can't have this confusion. Moses is the leader. He's the guy. If there's unauthorized prophesying going on, it's going to devolve into chaos. But Moses' authority was given to him for the sake of speaking the words of God to the people. And if God decided that the word of God was going to come through a way other than Moses, what was Moses going to do about that? Sometimes in the church, um, we can, we can um, make pastors or called workers out to be kind of like the prophets, like, like some holy, special measure of the Holy Spirit, some special measure of the Holy Spirit has fallen on me that hasn't fallen on you for me to prophesy, for me to preach. And that's not true. The Lord gives the spirit to all his children. And in the LCMS, we believe we have this value in our church body that it's good to have educated, well-trained church workers. And so, yeah, there was four years of seminary and preaching and Greek classes and theology classes and all kinds of stuff. But like that, that's that knowledge that uh, enables me to stand up here and preach and prophesy 
is from school. I have the same measure of the Holy Spirit as you do. So we maybe need to redefine what it means to prophesy. Would that all God's people were prophets? The church has pastors. Jesus gave pastors and workers to the church in order that we would regularly receive Jesus' words and his gifts. And the words and gifts of Jesus pour the Holy Spirit out on us again and again and again for eternity. Like we heard in the gospel reading, Jesus said, come to me if you're thirsty. And I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to give you a drink. There's going to be a stream of, of welling up that's going to flow out of you to eternal life. Back in John 4, you might remember this from one of the Sundays in Lent. Jesus is talking with this woman at the well. And he's offering her a drink. And she says, how am I supposed to not be thirsty again? I mean, it sounds too good to be true. And he says, this water that I give you, if you'll drink it, it's going to well up within you to become not just a drink that goes into you, but a spring that comes out of you. And just in the last couple of weeks, we heard Jesus say to his disciples, as he knew he was on the way out the door, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. So now all believers can speak the words of God. We can counsel one another. When someone in your life, a friend or a family member, a sibling or a child or a coworker is going through a rough time and you counsel them or you encourage them with the promises of God's love, with promises from scripture, you know what you're doing there. It starts with a P and it rhymes with prophesying. You're prophesying. You're speaking the words of God. The words of the gospel in that particular way. When you're warning somebody, once again, a sibling, a child, or grown, a co-worker, somebody else, that's prophesying too. Anytime you remind someone, anytime you gather together and pray before a meal, Anytime you do things that Christians do, you're prophesying because the Spirit has come down upon you and done something supernatural, something that without the Spirit you would not be able to do, to know the words of God, to, to, to know the promises of God, to speak them, to lay hold on them, to cling to them through whatever life throws at you. Moses said thousands of years ago, I wish that every... <laughs> one of God's people would be a prophet, that the Lord would give his spirit to all of them. Well, he did. He did. And this isn't a have to now. I'm not trying to lay another law on you. This is supposed to be good news. There's no requirement that you walk on out of here and go do something in order to make this real in your life. This is just an announcement of good news. The, the Spirit leads us into praying with others. The Spirit opens doors for us to talk about Jesus with people in our lives. You don't have to forsake your fields and quit your job and go be a professional Jesus talker. You keep doing what the Lord has called you to do. You keep living out your vocation in your home, in your line of work, <laughs> And as the Spirit leads, 
you prophesy. You share a promise. You share an encouragement. You say, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. You're bringing light into darkness. Where there is curse. Hope where there is despair. What a privilege. And that's how the church grows. That's why the spirit was given. Jesus said in Acts chapter one, right before our reading from Acts, wait here, my young newborn little church, until you're clothed with power from on high and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I said a couple weeks ago, we are the ends of the earth. Way out here in Mulkey Township. We're a long way from Jerusalem. How are we Christians at all? Through prophesying that happens in the church, through our praying, our singing, through preaching, and yeah, through the intrepid explorations of some Berkeleys and company 150 years ago. But it's by the Spirit's power, and it continues today by the Spirit's power. And in your lives, It will continue, even this week, even later today, by the Spirit's power. All people in all stations of life will hear the gospel in a language they understand. Because you are perhaps given an outpouring of the Spirit to speak the gospel in a language, right? In English still, but in a language that people in your life are going to understand better than if I just talked to them, right? We're all prophets. God is using all of us, not just pastor on Sunday morning, not just DCE on Sunday morning, on Wednesday nights. The peace of God that passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus And Holy Spirit, come, fill the hearts of the faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Hallelujah.